If you're taking notes today, title your notes, Go Fish, Go Fish. And, and I just want to say this, um, I, I love to read. And uh, one of my favorite things in the world is when, when somebody has read a good book and then they tell me about it and then I read it because it, it saves me so much time. I, I cannot stand it when I buy a book. I get a hundred pages in and I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. I'm done. Uh, but I, I read a book called Go Fish written by Andy Stanley and it just wrecked me. It just re-wrecked me. I just felt like um, it, it just brought alive some things that had no business um, uh, not being on the forefront of my life. And so I want to encourage you to go get the book, Go Fish. And and a lot of what I'm going to say this morning is inspired out of that book. But uh, I want to ask you this question. Uh, Some of you in this room have have never taken a moment to, to close your eyes and to look up into heaven and tell the Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. And I'm going to make you the Lord and Savior of my life, and I'm going to live for you forever. And you're still in that exploration season of your life. And and if that's you, I'm glad you're here. Uh, But for the rest of you, how many of you can remember that moment where you said a prayer like that, making God your Savior? Go ahead and raise your hand. You can remember the moment. You remember where you were at. You can remember. And I I wish I could go into the DeLorean, you know, the car, the DeLorean from Back to the Future and and get in there and, and shift gears and go up to 88 miles per hour and go back in time and find you there. Uh, at that moment, many of us were thinner with hair, but find you at that moment and then somehow like crawl into your mind and find out what was your motivation. Why did you say that prayer? Why? 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 Was it because there was the revelation of what Jesus did for you? And you were so grateful and your heart was so uh, full of love that you just, you wanted to make him your savior and you look forward to spending eternity with him. Was that it? Uh, maybe it was this. And as a pastor, I, I see lots of different motivations. Maybe it's this. Your life was a complete wreck. It was full of chaos. Somebody told you about church, told you that in a relationship with Jesus, he literally comes into your life and begins to bring order and peace. Maybe that was it. You, you're just, your life was just so full of chaos. And if having a relationship with Jesus puts order back into your life, then so be it. Maybe that was it. Maybe you heard some preacher on TV at two in the morning say, if you put $10 in the offering, you'll get $1,000 next week. And you're like, well, hey, I've lost a lot of money playing the lottery. Let's give this a shot too. I don't know. I don't know what your motivation was. But you know what I find so interesting? That when Jesus came on the scene at 30 years old, he thought to himself, if I'm going to be effective, I need to build a team. And he began to recruit a team that he calls disciples. He recruited 12 of them. And when he recruited them, he didn't mention 
eternity. He didn't mention salvation. He didn't mention peace. He didn't mention joy. All the things that come with being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't mention any of those things. Instead, on hello, it was come. Let's read it together. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. It was come. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It was an invitation to, and he, I, I like how he used fishing as a parallel. I mean, obviously, one of the reasons why he used it as a parallel is because in a few of those instances, he was talking to fishermen, and he wanted to talk their language. But more so... It was a word picture of what the rest of their life could look like if they start following him. And basically, here's the parallel. You can live the rest of your life. Come follow me. And what we're going to do is we are going to learn how to grab somebody and pull them, lure them, encourage them into a whole new lifestyle of following Jesus. And so his invitation was with laser focus. Come follow me and I'm going to teach you how to pull people towards Christ or pull people towards God through a relationship with me. That's what he was saying. So he never mentioned any of the other things. Never mentioned joy. Never mentioned peace. Never mentioned having the security of knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Never mentioned any of those things. All 12 of them said, Amen. And so for the next three years, all he did was teach them how to fish. In the most variety of situations. I'm going to teach you how to fish when you're looking at 5,000 people. Don't forget to feed them. So he has the world's largest fish fry. Then... This is how you fish when you're just sitting in your living room with a group of friends. This is how you fish when all of your friends don't know anything about church. And he teaches Matthew, who used to be a tax collector, and nobody likes tax collectors today. Sorry if you're one, just keep it to yourself. But back then, they were a bigger ripoff than Uncle Sam is sitting. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Back then, they used to openly steal. In other words, 25% goes to the government, and I'm going to take 15% for me. And the government would say, look, tax collectors, you can take whatever fee you want, but you just make sure we get ours. And so they would literally sit at the bank. Fishermen would be coming in and they'd be waiting for them. So tax collectors were the most hated people in the entire society. 
And so what Jesus did was, look, I'm going to teach you how to fish when you're dealing with people that are the polar opposite of a Christian. And he tells Matthew, who is a former tax collector, go invite all your tax collector friends, bring them over your house, and we'll sit down and we'll all talk with them. So again, he's showing them how to fish. He even showed them how to fish when you're dealing with someone very influential in the community. He's got money and influence, a guy named Nicodemus. And then he went to the other side of the pendulum. This is all within three years. This is how you deal with a widow, that when she takes all of her money together, she's just got a little bit more than a mite. And he shows them over and over and over and over again how to fish. This is how you talk to this person. This is how you talk to this person. This is how you talk to this person. This is the message for this person. This is the truth for this person. This is for three years. And then he leaves. And he looks at the disciples and he says this. I'm leaving. But don't worry about it. Because I am going to give you a comforter that will comfort you. And we later find out that this Holy Spirit that you can't see and touch, but we all get to live with him, brings gifts. Now, why do we need that? So we can continue doing what he showed us how to do. Now, there are three common challenges for you and I. I just got done talking about the original disciples, the original Christ followers. There's three common challenges that you and I face when we try to do what Jesus modeled disciples are supposed to do. Because Peter and John have passed us the baton. We are now that church. There's three common. The number one challenge is is only for those of you that have got a deep church background. If you're new and you're still trying to figure out church and you don't own a Bible and you're trying to figure out if you even like preachers that are bald and Italian... The bad news is, is if you don't like bald preachers, there's not a church in the woodlands you're going to like. <laughs> Just letting you know. Now, not all of them are Italian, so, you know, you've got options there. But if you do not have a church background, then you don't have this struggle. Okay, but uh, so just wait for point number two and point number three. But if you do have a church background, this challenge is something that you'll fight. In order to be uh, a fisher, and all true followers are fishers, We need the Holy Spirit. And so number one, our biggest challenge is this. The company of the Holy Spirit causes a challenge. The Holy Spirit causes a challenge. 
And now some of you are like, the Holy Spirit is supposed to help us. Yes! The problem is, is that the presence of the Holy Spirit is so sweet that in your relationship with God, once you figure out, and it's not complicated, once you figure out that when you close your eyes and you begin to block everything else out, you can actually have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when you realize that and you figure it out, it, the Bible says, it is sweet as honey. The Bible also says this, that it's better to have one moment in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. And that causes a problem. That causes a huge problem. Because if you're a believer and you experience that, you can get caught up in just wanting to experience more of it. And you can live your whole life just wanting more of his presence and more of his presence and more of his presence. And you live your whole life reading books and studying and worshiping, trying to figure out how to get more of his presence in your life because it's sweeter than honey. And then you find out in your relationship that when the presence of God is active in your life, there are certain gifts that he gives you that you didn't study for and you didn't earn. He just gives them to you. Gifts like wisdom, prophecy, knowledge, discernment, speaking in tongues, understanding what that is. And then all of a sudden you can get caught up and I have this issue. I came up with point number one by looking in the mirror. That's how I came up with point number one. I'm like, Frankie, you love his presence so much that you have a tendency to spend your whole week entertaining his presence, connecting with his presence, trying to figure out more ways to make your own life more saturated with his presence, which is great. But the problem is, is that I'm no longer fishing and I'm no longer using his presence as a tool to fish with. And now I don't even think about fishing, even though that's my primary responsibility because I'm too busy. I'm just talking to me. This may not be anyone else here. I'm just talking about me. I'm too busy trying to figure out how to make my life a garden. I already know I'm going to heaven. So how close can I live to the throne before I get there? And now that becomes a challenge. It's almost like before I got saved, I didn't know it was that good. Now that I know, well, now I want more of it. I like green eggs and ham. (laughs) And I got it in my Walkman. Oh, my goodness. I just... uh, (laughs) Some of you are like, Walkman? Lost me. Um... (laughs) Uh, what do you call it? I, 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 something or another with the uh, things in my ear and I'm worshiping and I'm worshiping and I'm studying scriptures and it's all about making my life a little bit more like what it's going to be when I get to heaven. And the primary purpose on, on what my assignment is pushed to the side. Now, uh, that, 
first point was just for those of us that have some church background. Uh, Point number two, put your seatbelt on. It's for all of us. Are you ready? Point number two on challenges is simply comfort level. It's a comfort level. In John chapter 7, verse 13, it says this, but no one had the courage to speak favorably about him, speaking of Jesus in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Now, uh, we're Texans, even if you just moved here yesterday, you're a surrogate Texan. You, you know, te- to, to be a Texan is a very proud thing. You know, we carry guns and knives, and if, and if you try Try to take them away. We say, come on, bring it. <laughs> you want it? I got it. Come get it. <laughs> say when. I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> you know, we're, 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 we're just very, um, uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, I feel like I'm getting myself in trouble right now. But um, there, there's certain comfort levels that we have. So it's not that we're afraid to talk about Jesus because, um, you know, if you ever look at somebody and say, you carry a gun, what are you afraid of? They're likely to say nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not that we're afraid. We just don't, we're afraid of the moment of feeling uncomfortable. Let me see if I can give you an illustration. My wife and I went to Galveston a couple years ago and, and the Boston Celtics were in the NBA finals and in the cabin that we were staying at in uh, Galveston didn't have the channel that I needed to watch the Celtics. And the Celtics only go to the final once every like 300 years. And so I'm like, I better go. So I told Allie, I said, Allie, I'm going to go downstairs. It was kind of this stilted thing. You know how it is in Galveston. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to find the first sports bar I can find. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to watch the game. I'll be back in a couple hours. Pray for the Celtics. I get in the car, go down to the thing. I'm watching the Celtics. I'm sitting at the bar. I'm sitting there. And, and the Celtics aren't doing good, so I start getting depressed, and I'm down. And so I look at the guy next to me, and all of a sudden, see, you take if you take me out of this building, I'm still me. I have this overwhelming desire to talk about Jesus, right? So I'm sitting in the bar, and I look at this guy next to me, and, and he just looks like he wants to drink every bottle in the place. You know what I mean? It's like he is laser focused. I'm going to drink everything here. And and so uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says that you shouldn't drink. Um, Jesus made wine. So, I mean, we can't, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Unless you have a personal conviction on not doing it. Like Samson had a personal conviction on not doing it that God gave him. But outside of that, uh, there's nothing wrong with having a drink every now and again. But the Bible is crystal clear about getting drunk. And so I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, this guy's not going to get drunk. He showed up drunk. (laughs) He is going to get sloshed. And so I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, I I just want to help the guy. You know, I just want to help him. So I'm sitting in this bar and I looked at him. I'm like, hey, man, you know, uh, if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, Hey, if we're going to go there, let's go there. <laughs> Where do you go to church? No, and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and all of a sudden, see, the, the, I, I re- when I was 18, I minded being bald. Now that I'm the age that I am, I could care less. If you don't like it, 
Just don't tell me you don't like it and enjoy not liking it, okay? But the one negative about being bald is when I sweat, you know it. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ping, 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 ping. And so I look at him, he goes, look, man, you must be new around here. I'm like, is it that obvious? He goes, there's two things we don't talk about in here. Number one is politics. I'm like, we're good there. I've got caught in a mousetrap many times. I'm not going there. Number two, and he's getting loud. And I'm like, I'm sitting right next to you. I can hear you if you whisper. You don't have to yell. But he's wanting to yell. Number two, don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion. Of course, now I'm like, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship, but I'm not going to mess with this guy. Because you got it. I'm like, I got it. Go Celtics. And, and I never forgot that moment. And that is the uncomfort level that all of us are worried about. Jesus was crystal clear. When I recruit you, you don't have to wonder what I want you to do. I want you to help me make heaven crowded. That's what I want you to do. You don't have to wonder. But the hesitation on point number two is I don't want to feel uncomfortable. And if you're anything like I am, I already wrestle insecurities as it is. I don't need to increase the reasons that I get concerned. But I want to just take the pressure off you. Are you ready? You don't ever have to worry about this again. Are you ready? You ready? Elbow the person next to you. Get ready. You don't ever have to worry about that fear again. Do you know why? Do you know why? Oh, you guys are on today. This is why. If you're cool, you're cool at whatever you do. If you are a dork... This isn't in the Bible, I'm just telling you. You're a dork at whatever you do. It, I, I was in high school once, and, and, and somebody that was in my youth group went to my same high school, and we were in youth service, and, and this person said, I want you to pray for me because at school I'm being persecuted for Christ. And I looked over and I was like, Nope. You're not being persecuted for Christ. You're being persecuted because you're a jerk. In his mind, people didn't like him because he was a Christian. 
no, 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 no. If we were in a third world country, that might be the issue. We're in the United States of America. People don't like you because you're an idiot. People don't like you because you're a jerk. It has nothing to do with being a Christian. It has nothing to do with that. So when people like you, they're not going to stop liking you because you're a Christian. But if people don't like you, they're not going to start liking you because you're a Christian. You are you regardless of what you do. Justin Timberlake, in most people's eyes, is a cool guy. Now he can show up wearing the stupidest looking outfit I've ever seen in my life. Everyone's like, man, It has nothing to do with it. it. That is called a phantom fear. That is hell making us concerned about something that we're not. You go, well, what about the whole situation in Galveston? Okay, I'm going to admit, you're kind of rolling dice when you just go blindly up to somebody and go, hey, if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes. But to me, that's my most important question I will ever ask anybody. And that's why I ask it at celebration so often. So leave it to me to go straight for the gusto. But when you are in relationship with somebody and you're cool in their eyes, you're cool whatever you do. If you are a knucklehead in their eyes, you're a knucklehead in whatever you do. So don't make the enemy talk us into the fact, oh, if you mention Jesus, you're not going to be cool anymore. No, if you're not cool right now, you're not going to be cool regardless of what you do. Are you with me? (sighs) Point number three. Here we go. Here's the last and final obstacle that many of us fight is competing agendas. Has anyone ever invited you to something and you're like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do it. And you think to yourself, I've heard you ladies say this. I would love to. I just have to wash my hair so I can't go. Ah, I tried that once. They called me a liar and I don't know why. I'm like, no, I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth and I'm lying more. But it's, there's this, there's this mindset of God. I will be a fisher for you just so long as I have time to do what I need to do and then I will do that and I just want to just say this not fishing not pulling people towards the Lord is not an option And we should be embarrassed when we just get so consumed on making our life saturated with the Holy Spirit, but we don't have his heart. You can experience his presence and not have his heart. Do you know the other night, I didn't say this in the first service, so I'm feeling the Holy Spirit pulling me in a different direction right now. But the other night, I was just about to pray, Dear God, let me look at your people the way you do. That thought came to my mind. And I chose not to pray the prayer because I was afraid of what would happen to me if he answered it. 
I'm not ready to feel that kind of hurt. I'm not ready to feel that kind of passion. I'm not ready for that. The amount of passion and love that he has for you. I can't, I'm, I'm afraid to feel that. And so I just told the Lord, Lord, I want to see your people the way you do. But I'm afraid to feel it. So Holy Spirit, you're going to have to fill in the gap somewhere. Know this. There's a big difference on feeling his presence and pursuing his presence and having his heart. These are the last few points. I've got six minutes before this sermon is over, which means I got another 26 minutes to preach. <laughs> Let me see if I can illustrate this point. Brother Dwayne, why don't you help me out real quick? If we are going to if, if, and not ever, there's three possibilities this morning. Some people are going to say, what you said today, that struck a chord, I'm in. Other people are going to say, what you said today, mm, I'm going to have to think about it. And the third category is, what you said today sounded like Charlie Brown's parents. Wah, 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 wah. And I'm going to Mel's to get me a big chicken fried steak. I don't know what category you're in, but it's my heart that if you walk out of here and say, I'm going to be that kind of a disciple, these are the three things that we're going to have to do. And I'm just going to dissect that scripture. First, he said, come. He said, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. So the first thing he said was come, which means I want you to leave the way you live your life. Now, it doesn't mean for us quitting our job, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, we have a whole new reason for being here. Does that make sense? So if we're going to fish, and uh, I, I don't know if, if any of you have ever, like, you're, you're like hardcore fishermen. I'm not. I was raised by two New Yorkers. I never touched a fish until... I went on a trip to Minneapolis, Minnesota about three years ago. Some of you were here and heard me talk about it. I had to ask my friend. These were 11 preachers. I was the 12th preacher. I was Judas. Get me out of here. They said, man, if you're stressed out, I said, I'm stressed out. They said, come on up. And so they give me this list and I'm at Academy looking to buy this stuff. Now, I've been to Academy since I was nine years old. I walk in, there's fishing and hunting, there's sports, I go to sports. I never go to fishing and hunting. But I'm going to fishing and hunting and I'm walking around like I'm at HEB with a grocery list and I'm reading stuff. And so they tell me that if I'm going on this trip, then I need to have this, this outfit called Frog Talk. If you don't know what it is, you're about to know. See, there's, there's more than one reason to come to church. I'm going to get you saved. 
we're going to fish for people, make heaven crowded. But in the process, if Y2K ever comes around, you're going to be able to eat. (laughs) So this frog talk is this outfit that if you're in a typhoon, you'll, you'll be dry. Now, in the first service, I lost three pounds wearing this thing. It does not matter. And so you put this thing on, and you, 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 you get in a canoe, and this is huge. Let me see how this works. I haven't put it on since I got off the trip. Okay, let's see how, okay, well, just imagine that's on. And, uh, and then you got this thing here. And this is for people who think they can swim, but when you're in Minneapolis and you fall off the boat, our sound guy, you're from Minneapolis, Minnesota, the land of Great Lakes. Here was the idea. Let's go to all of the lakes. What's the license plate say? Land of 10,000 lakes? Yeah, I did all 10,000 with a canoe above my head walking around for one week. That's not normal. When there is a hotel down the road, five miles, that people get paid in the hotel to sit by a phone waiting for it to call. Hello, I would like coffee delivered to my room. Yes, sir. We'll be right there. Click. They get to do that. When that's an option, you don't frog talk. <laughs> so we get this, and, and, and here's the thing. They had to teach me how to work this deal right here. If you don't know how to work this deal right here, the only thing you're going to do is this. Not. Knots everywhere. Knots, knots, knots. So they had to teach me. You cast it out. Then you flip the bar. And you got to make the fish look alive. Okay, okay, okay. So make it. Too much, Frankie. Bob spin. Then the worst possible thing happened. Ah! Ah! I got a fish! I got a fish! Now, why is that the worst possible thing? I've never touched a fish. I've never poked a fish. The only fish I know about is Nemo. And I feel bad for Nemo. It's the only fish I know about. I got a fish! Dear God, help me, I got a fish! I got a fish! And so, the up in this part of the world is smallmouth bass. Smallmouth bass are not happy about getting hooks in their mouth. They're, they bite, and, and they, they set me up. There were, there was these round things that they call beds. And so you see that, that, that circle right there, Frankie? I'm like, yeah. He goes, just put your, 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 your thing or my jig, whatever it's called, put it right on that thing. Well, what happens with me, I'm like, Bzz. 
in the tree. Now I'm pulling it out of the tree. I'm getting out. Just put it right there. Look, man, I'm not shooting a BB gun. It's not it. Landed in there. Bam. I got a fish. I'm screaming. All of Minneapolis knows that I got a fish. I got a fish. I got a fish. And the guy tells me, okay, this is what you do. What do I do? What do I do? I'm at the front of the canoe. He goes, take your thumb and shove it in his mouth. Take me home. So I, I, I'm just, I'm like aiming it, right? And the fish is like, it's possessed. It's possessed. So I take my pole like any smart person would. I was like, you do it. So I, I grab them. I'm grabbing I'm grab them. And I get them. And so I don't know if you've ever done this, but many of the guys will understand this. Have you ever, like in high school, or you catch yourself in a bad situation and, and someone's wanting to fight you and you're scared? And so you, you get mad to cover up your scared. Does that make sense? So I'm looking at the fish and I'm like, Yeah! Who's your daddy? The preacher behind me is like, are you okay? I'm yelling at it. And then I got a picture here. This is my first fish. I am, I am so jacked up right now. Now, everyone up there is like, dude, what's up with the bandana? I'm like, you don't want to know what's up with the bandana, partner. So I learned also, so about five times I get back and they said, hey, it doesn't count if the fish doesn't come in the boat. I'm like, oh no, no, it counts. It counts. I'm sitting here into a spot. That's not the easiest thing. I put a hook in a fish's, fishes. I put a hook in a fish lip. It counts. No, it doesn't count unless it's in the boat. So now I'm fishing like this. Hoo, ha, hoo, ha, ha, boom, in the boat, in the boat, in the boat. Then I spent 45 minutes trying to get the hook out of it because it's in its tail. He swallowed it all the way down. Then I learned that if you fish with a cowboy hat, everything seems to work better. There's this Texan anointing that comes out of nowhere. Just, I don't even need this thing. I just, I, I don't even need it. So thank you so much, Brother Dwayne. I appreciate it. I'm sweating to death. I go, there's, Final three points. Jesus said, come, I want you to leave what you're doing. I want you to follow me. I want you to leave your life. Why, why did I do all this? I felt like I had left all of civilization. I didn't change clothes for a week. I had to burn my clothes. I didn't want my wife to know how I lived out there. <laughs> Men, you know what I'm talking about. You guys go out in the woods. You just burn the clothes. It's just... If your wife could see how you ate, you don't wash dishes. You put it in the lake and like, it's clean. That's not clean. That's not. 
It's not clean. That's not clean. It's just the whole lifestyle is different. I want to make myself abundantly clear. Abundantly clear. If you want to live your life, I just want more of the presence of God. I just want more peace, more joy, more of a... You can live your life like that if you want to. And you have a place reserved for you in heaven. But if you want your life to be the kind of life that Jesus uses as leverage to make heaven crowded, you are going to have to say, my life is not for me. Like Paul said, I am a slave to Christ. I am here to fish for men. In Acts 24, it says this, however, my life means nothing to me if only to finish the race and testify of Jesus Christ. If that's you, you got to... Mind shift. When he says come, it means I want you to do what I do. And then he says, come follow me. In other words, I want you to live like I live. I want you to go where I go. I want you to do what I do. I want you to live this way. I'm going to close with this last thought. Didn't I tell you? that you could lose five pounds wearing Froggle. So I will, I will sell this to the highest bidder. I got $21, 21, 23, I got 23 over here. I got 23, 24, 24, 25, 25, This is a free weight loss program right here. 27, 27, And if you call right now, I'll throw in the pants. He says, follow me. I want you to do what I do. I want you to live like I live. And then watch this. I will make you fishers of men. This is how I want to illustrate that last third point. I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus went and he met this woman at a well. Her life was wrecked. Wrecked. It was wrecked. She had been married five times and the guy that she was living with wasn't even her husband. She came to the well during the slowest time of the day so nobody would see her. I don't know if you know what that feels like where you have a major issue in your life and you don't want anyone to know about it. Jesus walks up to her and he says, I am the life. I will give you a drink and you will have living waters inside of you. You'll never be thirsty again. Once she experienced that, the first thing she did, she went to go fish. And when you read about her personality, she ran through the town. You have to meet this guy. You have to meet this guy. You have to meet this guy. And in a 30-minute period, approximately, she went from living in the ditch. Her life was going all wrong. To now she has this vigor, this excitement, because she's doing her primary calling. And I just want all of us to accept the fact that hell's primary focus is to get you caught up in something. 
just as long as you don't do your primary responsibility. They were trying to trick Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's the most important thing in the whole Old Testament? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. In other words, take care of you. Then go fishing. Love your brother like you love yourself. Take the whole Old Testament. Go fishing. I am going to pray for you that we would look for opportunities to introduce people to Jesus. If you're a guest here today, the person who invited you, they must really love you. If you're single and they're single, they may have other things on their mind. But they love you. Next week, I'm going to talk about how we go through certain seasons where your life just feels mundane and stale. It'd be a great time to bring a friend. 